I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with another road trip. This one to Alabama. Yeah, that Alabama. I do love sharing these stories from amazing creatives uh, from locations where you might least expect to find them. Jeff Duncan is an extraordinary creative from and remaining in Alabama. Jeff has a gift for clean and modern designs with the framework of traditional architectural ideas. His story and path to architecture is special. His love for rural Alabama is strong. And I have come to learn after many years traversing this country of ours that you can learn so much from journeys along the roads less traveled. Many, if not most, pretty much all the design and architecture media doesn't, even still doesn't really recognize or even pay attention to the design flyovers. And, and to be honest, that is to their detriment because um, I enjoy covering it. So <laughs> they, can, they can stay out of it. It's fine. Which is also why you should settle in and enjoy this conversation with Jeff Dungan of Jeffrey Dungan Architects. A few announcements before we get into it, though. Um, are you enjoying the new content we rolled out so far this year? West Edge Wednesdays, uh, the Convo by Design Icon Registry, drinking about design on Fridays, the design messengers on Mondays. I hope you are. The editorial team wanted to provide a more diverse conversation to celebrate some of the icons who have appeared on the show over the past 11 years, to learn uh, more, more about what makes this business, this industry so special, to lean in on the changing nature of the design and architecture industry and collective communities. Not the business per se, but the rapidly changing nature of things and how that affects the industry overall. I hope these new uh, brand extensions are providing some inspiration. Make sure that you are subscribing to the show so you receive every new episode automatically when they're published. We're going to get to uh, Jeff Dungan. We'll be uh, right back right after this. I am so proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They have been presenting partners of Convo by Design for four plus years, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the absolute best in the world at what they do. Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design and patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S.-based manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me, and you know this, that the idea of luxury has changed, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory. Or it's just not considered luxury. If you want to add steam, you have really one true option if you want the best, and that's Thermosol. Mitch Altman third-generation CEO of this family-owned company of 65 years, continues to innovate the bathroom and shower space through technological marvels such as intelligent showering systems, sound therapy, aromatherapy, chromotherapy, technical interfaces, and so much more. 
and now Thermosol, the industry leader in steam bath equipment and technology since 1958, is enhancing its already stellar family of products with the new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce, inspired by the brilliance of northern European sauna technology and design. Thermosol's latest collections offer luxurious features, and there's only one option if you want the finest experience, Thermosol. Check out thermosol.com and at Thermosol on the socials. You need some more ice? Well, it is It is five o'clock, what, six o'clock, six o'clock where you are, right? Well, I was already, I was already on one. Oh, man. No, it's only five o'clock. Right? Oh, we're on the same time zone. Okay. Yeah. Where right. are you? I'm in Tulsa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the... I'm on the central time zone. Yeah. We're at the uh, very eastern bleeding edge of it. So you're in Alabama. Do me a favor. T- start back about three minutes. Okay. T- tell me about growing up on a farm and <laughs> learning about deliberate movements. <laughs> because, I, you know, it's funny because looking at your work, I think that's there, there are lessons. There's, there's evidence of that. In, in the final work. I'm just curious where, where that all emanated from. Well, I'm not sure, but yeah, um, I, I think I was, uh, a, you know, growing up on a farm and uh, being a young man, I was a little um, rambunctious um, and, um, and I was pretty slight uh, a figure too. It probably took me more energy to, um, to move all the levers and the gears and, the things that we were doing when I was younger, but, um, but I remember my dad, um, telling me, um, you know, not to, not to jerk things and not to just, you know, pull as hard as you could to, you know, you know, do things with, with a measured, you know, um, action and, um, you know, not to, not to ever, you know, push the pedal all the way to the metal, you know, um, with the machinery and um, so that you, I guess you used a little bit of a, a steady hand, but not a, um, not a too forceful of one. And um, I, I still, I still have that, you know, it's just one of those things, one of those little lessons that you get when you're a kid that just sort of make you uh, a certain way. Um, I still find sometimes that I actually need to use more pressure, <laughs> you know, to get something unjarred uh, or unstuck or or whatever whatever it is um, that I'm actually being a little too gentle. Are we talking meta- metaphorically or physically? I I think probably a little bit more physically, <laughs> although I I think it definitely. Um, my wife would beg to differ. <laughs> about how do you, gentle do you, I am. Do you draw freehand? I do, yeah. Yeah. You do. I, I do it right there. Oh that's, man, I, I love that. That's a good spot right there. That is it? a great all spot the, right there. All the light. And I've been I've been sitting there all day or most of the day drawing today, which is a very rare um uh occurrence. Are are you um are you like me? So you got the guitar behind you when you're drawing. If you hit a if you hit a spot or you get stuck, do you just sort of walk away, pick up the guitar, pick a little, and then go back to it? Not really. Um, I I um I don't I don't um 
I'm sure I get stuck sometimes, but not much. Um, uh, if I do, I, I might go to the bathroom. But um, the guitar is um, for um, just stress relief, you mm. know, stress relief without, you know, being hungover. Um, you know, this is this is also a great stress reliever. But if you have too much <laughs> of it, you know, you, you might not feel good the next day. But, but this thing has like no hangover, you know, like it's just it's just um, it's just all good. Your fingers may hurt a little bit, you know. What do you what do you listen to when uh, when you're working or not working? I do. Um, I listen to a lot of. Um, I listen to different kinds of music um, during the day. I've gotten to where I listen to a lot of um, podcasts. You know, um, which it sounds kind of weird, I guess, that you'd listen to a podcast while you were not to me. Calling. Not but, to me. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do. I, I like that. Um, I like to um, I don't I don't um, enjoy reading, but I like to have things read to me. I like to learn, um, but I don't have the patience much to um, just sit down with a book Um so I, I do a lot of books, audio books, and, um, and a lot of podcasts. Um, and then, but if it's music, I like, um, I kind of have three different, if I'm, if I'm able to do it, I have about, um, if I have the time to do it, um, and I'm not, you know, in meetings and so forth, um, I like to listen to classical music in the morning time. I love classical music and um, I'll listen to that till about 11 and then around lunchtime, I usually eat lunch around 1130. Um, I'll, I'll sort of move on to some jazz, like old jazz, like from the fifties, not, you know, Kenny G or whatever, but no, don't shoot me Kenny G fans, but I like the old, you know, I like the old stuff. Um, and um and then, you know, I'll do that for a few hours. And um, if I've still got more time, then um, I'll listen to like, you know, singer songwriter types that, you know, play music like that with lyrics that my wife says are rather melancholy. Um, I think uh, I, I do. I do kind of like some melancholy music. You know, what's really interesting. We've been at this for 10 minutes already. And one of the things that I, I find so unique and so interesting, you know, oftentimes when I'm when I'm talking to some, I I have a certain cadence that is way more laid back growing up in Southern California. I, I've always been more and more laid back. And when when talking to creatives from specifically from like New York, Boston, Chicago, they have very little tolerance for me. And, you know, just because they want to get everything out so quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, They're like I mean? a machine gun, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is, you know, I'm trying to imagine that I'm a client of yours, and we're sitting down and we're we're looking at a we're looking at a piece of property, and you know, in in rural Alabama, because you believe in designs that provide. I want to get this quote right. Provide the spaces we live in give us a protected and intimate feeling in an uncertain world. And it's really interesting because one of the things that I was excited to talk to you about 
I don't say this is a shot. And I, I, I think you will probably agree with me that most in the industry, out of the industry, when they think of high style, beautiful architecture, great design, Alabama is not the first state that people would think of. You laugh because it's true. Because look, I, I moved from Southern California to Tulsa to work on this design house project. And I get the same thing. There is some incredible architecture here. And I imagine that there is the same for you. And so I'm curious, growing up on a farm in rural uh, Alabama, why architecture? Um, it really came uh, at, by accident. Um, at least to me, it, it was by accident. Um, I didn't, you know, nothing against people who always wanted to be an architect, but I didn't know what an architect was, um, you know, um, I, I, I love to draw and, um, and, and my mom, uh, picked up on it. Um, my love for drawing, I, I, you know, there was no computers back then. And, um, you know, we were living out in the middle of nowhere and, um, you know, there was, there was, uh, different ways to entertain yourself, but, um, you know, if it's, raining outside and you're stuck inside, um, you know, a pencil and a piece of paper would, uh, would do. And, um, and, and so I just fell in love with, um, I, I didn't even fall in love with it. I just, I just did it. I just, I just love to draw. And, um, and so then she, um, encouraged me to, um, take some art classes and my mom's the kind of woman that you don't say no to. And, um, even though I did and, um, or tried, you know, she said, no, I want you to, do it and and um and so she got me in some art classes even as a young young kid like I mean 12 13 years old I was taken from some um a watercolorist who's actually really good like you'd think well I mean you know who's who you're going to take art lessons from and you know a third world country basically and um but there turns out that there was um a really notable watercolorist and um he mostly had you know uh, wealthy old ladies that he was, you know, teaching watercolor to. But then here, here I was kind of over in the corner of the studio and, um, and I found that I really loved it. And, and so then I started taking art at my high school and, and I liked that. And then I got into another, uh, teacher, um, who was, um, an older lady and she was teaching me oils and acrylics and she actually was, uh, contemporaries with Georgia O'Keeffe and they were friends and all this kind of cool stuff. So um, for just being out in the middle of nowhere, I, I got some good um, instruction and, and I really fell in love with it. And so as I was getting ready to graduate from high school, my um, you know counselor said, well, what are you going to, what are you, you know, your, our school counselor, you know, you had to come meet with her and what are you going to do with your life? And I said, well, I want to play professional football, but I really don't think it's going to work out for me. And um, she didn't even laugh. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, and she said, well, you know, you're really good at math. You're on like the math scholar bowl team and, and you're, you're an artist. So have you ever thought about architecture? And I think I said something like is architecture architect, is that, is that who you go to when your back is out? She said, no, that's a chiropractor. It's like, oh, I, I don't, I don't know anything about that. And she said, well, you got to write a paper 
for your English class about what you're going to do with your life and as good as anything. So I was in my study hall. So I go back upstairs and I go to the library and I go through the Dewey decimal system and I look up books on architecture and I'm looking at like Frank Lloyd Wright, and, you know, I am pay and, you know, glass houses and all these crazy. I was like, this is so bizarre. And, uh, I walk out into the hallway and I realize the building I've been in for four years is round and I never thought about it. And the hallways are round and all of the classrooms are little pie segments of the circle with the library in the middle on the second floor and the office in the middle on the first floor. And I thought, this is just really weird. And so um, that was kind of the beginning of um, this journey. <laughs> This journey that I've been on, but it was truly that random. You know what's really interesting? I, I'm I'm curious. The manner in which you explain it, it just makes it makes so much sense to me. But I'm I'm wondering now when you look back at that, a round school is something that is uncommon, to say the least. But if you yeah, think about it, really, it, it, really weird. It, but if you think about it, it it's almost the perfect shape for a school. Yeah, it worked great. And, you know, again, I had never even thought about it. It never occurred to me until that day, um, just the design of buildings and the shape of them. And it was so cool, too, because, you know, in a round hallway, think about it. Your view is always changing and you can never see to the end of it. It's always, you know, and all the lockers and everything, you know, were in the hallway and you, you could only see maybe you know, a third or probably only 20% of the total of all the length of the hallways because it was just always going around the corner and you know, the corner never, never ended. Anyway, it just, it just, I think what it did to me is it just sparked my curiosity about, about it. So not maybe just a couple months later, I, uh, you know, took my ACT test to see if I could, um, you know, uh, get into college. And um, there was a, there was a spot on there where they asked you what your major was. And I had no idea, you know, I was 17 years old. I had no idea that you could say, I don't know. And all I knew is I wanted to get off the farm and um, find a, you know, a different, uh, you know, occupation than, than farmer. And, um, and I put architecture, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out. And um, Auburn university is one of the top five or 10 architecture scouts you know, colleges, you know, year in, year out and has been for a few decades. And, um, and, uh, I put Auburn cause I'm, you know, we're Auburn fans and, um, and I put Alabama on there, but Alabama didn't even have an architecture program. Of course I didn't know that. And, um, and so I get a letter from Auburn that says, we understand that you're an artist and we'd like to see your portfolio. So, you know, I get my thesaurus out and I look up the word portfolio <laughs> and, uh, and I said, Mom, I need one of those little plastic things, you know, to put the things in. So we, you know, get a, get the portfolio. And I, <laughs> I stuck like, you know, um, copies and, and literal originals, you know, whatever would fit in there and mailed it off to Auburn. And then about a month and a half later, I think we got, they, they sent me the portfolio back and then they said, you've been accepted to the architecture program. I, I had no idea what was about to happen to me. That's amazing. It's, I am, I, I love stories like that because the interconnectivity 
of things. Yeah. How you, you go from like one idea and someone saying one thing. Yeah. And you that juxtaposed against what you what you know or what you think you know. Yeah. And that lays out the path for your whole life. Could you see yourself doing anything else? No. No. 100%. I mean, the one thing that's become really clear to me, even through these bizarre, seemingly disconnected stories, is that God had a plan for my life. There's just no other way that I could explain it than to say, you know, um, there was <laughs> there was a, a a much higher intelligence at work in my in my life, right? Uh, that there's just no way you could explain it. I don't I don't think any other way. So once you once you get out of school, did you hang a shingle or did you work? With no, I worked, else. Yeah, yeah, I worked. Um, I had worked um, for a really small firm uh, here in Birmingham, um, you know, just as an intern while I was still in college. And um, I mean, really small, like three people. <laughs> and but they were doing some some neat stuff. And do, they were, among other things, they were doing some houses. And um, and I got to. Uh, and so I, I came back. It was like 1989. There was just, I mean, it was the economy was in a terrible spot. And um, but um, but some people, but people with with lots of money and deep pockets were still, you know, building houses. And it was a great time because, of course, they were getting a great deal because things were so depressed. Um, and so uh, I got to work on, you know, directly with, you know, two other people, the man that owned the firm and you know, one of the guy. And so, um, it was, a it was kind of a deep dive and, and I learned a lot working with them. I still, I, it was, this was cool. I still had, um, some classwork left. Um, but I was, I was just tired and done with most of school, but I still had a little bit of classwork left. It was, it was just elective classes. So I'd take these sculpture classes and I meet on, in my first art class, um, I was taking there in Birmingham and sending the credits back to Auburn. Um, this this really cool sculptor, um, artist guy who had a degree from Cornell in, wait for it, architecture. And he was amazing. He was like a like a force of nature. And he and I just hit it off. And so from then on, he he said, um, when we're done with this with this class, I want you to call me and I'm going to give you a number, a class number, and I'm going to create a class just for me and you. And so I would, there would be a class with one person in it. <laughs> and, and me and this guy, I would build tables. I would make things for clients and stuff and get credit. And, um, and I do that at night after I would, you know, work all day. So I still kind of had, it was a good transition, you know, because I still had, I had one foot in the real world, but still one foot in, you know, metaphysical psychology and, you know, philosophy and sculpture classes that had, you know, one person in. And um, it was good. It was a good transition for me. Then, um, and then I ended up working with a much larger firm. And, um, and the guy who ran that firm was really a businessman who happened to be an architect. He didn't really want to do architecture so much. He just wanted to run a business. And, um, and he saw that I had some design abilities and so he just 
started just giving me work, just my own projects. And I was like 25 years old and I was doing YMCA's and AAA headquarters and churches. And, and then, and then whenever they'd get a house, they'd say, here, just do this for us. Like just kind of over there in the corner. Like we, we don't even count this as a real project. I was like, Oh my God, like, you know, it's like Nirvana for me. And, um, and I, and I worked there for about seven more years. So after about 10 years, of being out of school and working for other people, then um, that was that was the point that I I left and and hung a shingle, as you say. Do you uh, do you still sculpt woodwork, paint? Do you still work with your hands? I do, I, I do um, as much as I can. I, I had a really cool uh, little studio set up in um, my uh, a house a couple of houses ago, and I would I would paint and I just give them away to friends and stuff but just just big um you know abstract pieces you know four foot by four foot or stuff like that um I really enjoyed that and um I'd always paint with house paint that was that was always fun to me I'd always you know just save buckets of old paint from projects and stuff and just use it I just thought that was kind of fun um just big you know gestural kind of things um yeah, I, I don't I don't paint like I used to. I, I look at the things I did when I was 16 years old. I, I, I don't I don't I don't I don't do that. Um, but um, and I, I really love to weld and, and work with wood and stuff. So we're building a, a house and in my new house, I think I'm going to get back into um, doing some more paintings and maybe get back into doing sculptures. What's your what what's your uh preferred method of woodworking? Um I don't I mean I don't really I, I like to use pieces of wood with things and so it's more of a like an additive thing. I'm not I haven't done any wood sculpting, you know, per se, but um incorporating, you know, little bits and pieces and shards into uh paintings and um sometimes you know in the past metal pieces would was fun the reason i ask is because um i got to fulfill a a, a dream when we moved here to tulsa obviously coming from manhattan beach had a little bit more room and got a chance to do some things that i had always wanted to do i've been sculpting for for years um and it's it's more like you say just kind of putting things together and yeah. seeing what fits more of an so assemblage when, yeah. So when I got here, I started turning. I I went and learned from these old guys who had been turning for decades and they got a they got a club and a barn and that's they so just, cool. They got a bunch of lathes and it's all they do is they sit around and talk shit and turn wood. And I just thought, you know what, man, that's what I want to do. That looks like and the best therapy ever. It's amazing. It, you know are why you making too? Some bowls or, or or just doing abstract pieces? What are you doing? Oh yeah, here we go. So <laughs> it's show and tell time now. Exactly. I, I got the. I'm starting to do this new series. Um, I'm calling the upside downs. So I found this guy who had um, some ash, and I loved it. But the challenge was I wanted bigger bowls, um, so I took the ash. And I flipped them, so I carved out oh, one, carved wow. out the other. Then I then I put them together, and then I carved the bowl out. 
So, and instead, like I could have taken the tenon out, but I thought instead of taking the tenon out, I wanted to leave it. So I filled it in with plaster. Oh, wow. A little Kintsugi. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So um, that's the most recent one that I've been working on. And then I've, I've also with the ash, I wanted to do the series, um, the series of plates. So that is so cool. That ash is hard as a rock. isn't It, it is. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of uh, sharpening as well. So you were know, no kidding. You know, they make baseball like the professional baseball bats are made from ash. Oh, is that right? I did not know that. Ash. It's like it's one of the hardest, you know, American woods you can get. And and that's also why this has been so much fun because you know being able to keep the edges and just carve into it and yeah. and it's physical, it's physical. It's you know what I mean? Be. Yeah. So I I'm asking because for you, and I'm I'm going kind of metaphysical. Yeah. I'm kind of going kind of out of there a minute, but you, you can't be, you can't throw me. I'm I'm good because I work with wood too. It's one of those things where sometimes like. When I started this, I didn't intend for it to look like this. Right. I had an That's idea. That's part. Right. I had an idea. This was not it. But I love how it came <laughs> out. Right. So with, with you, you know, how does that change your perspective? So when you're sculpting, when you're painting, when you're working with wood in particular, and you do something, and sometimes maybe it's a mistake, you know, because oh, yeah. it hits a... And it changes the nature, the shape, almost like a round hall where you, you one day you just look at it and go, wait a minute, this building is round. I never knew that before. And it changes the way you think about things. How does that change the, the way you think about what you do? You just it's, it's the best part to me sometimes um, is the, the accidental kind of nature or the apparent accident, you know, that, that happens. Um and, and you mentioned it earlier, you know, just something somebody says that just kind of comes out of the blue and just, and, and it's just, it's a different, it's a different thing after that. You can't, you can't undo that. And um, sometimes um, I, I find I kind of end up on one of two, one of two ways. Sometimes I, I really appreciate it right off the bat and I see it for what it is. Like, this is an amazing opportunity to, for this thing to just turn on a dime um, and it's not, it's not that it becomes an, the op, what I've, I've learned is it's not that it becomes the opposite. Um, it's just that you have to be willing to give up your control that you had this idea that you were going here. And now all of a sudden it, you know, you're being sort of redirected or, you know, maybe to you, it feels like you're being forced. Um, but if you can sort of let go of that, but this isn't where I wanted to go and go, well, okay. Well, okay. So it's not where I wanted to go, but like, let's just see where this goes. And if you can be that free, um, you can end up somewhere way better many times than where you plan to go. And then you also got a great story, right? Like, well, what happened is, you know, I hit this and then all of a sudden it blew out of the bowl. And it's like, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's ruined the piece. And it's like, no, you idiot. The piece just showed you what it always had planned to be. And you just, you just didn't know it. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of those, those moments, if you can, um, if you can sort of reinterpret that, that actually become 
the magical piece of it and and the, the stories are you know some of the the best part is the how you got there and people are like no way like really and but that's the best part and they all go that's the best part of the bowl and you're like i know i know it's the best part of the bowl like but it's not what i intended but yeah i, I just I, I went with it when when it comes to your work specifically now listen i i think it's fair to say and i, I was looking at your map of work holy mackerel you've you've been around you I've been have around been, like like I, some- I, I always think it's funny like when you, earlier you were like so you're in alabama and you're doing these and i was like well actually i'm not i mean i live in alabama and i love alabama and i love the south but um and i'm southern as it gets but um i really love to travel and i really love to um to get to kind of spread the apple seeds um across the country and sometimes in places outside of the country so um, it's, it's that journey and, and working in places where the building traditions are totally different from what they are in the Southeast. Right. And, and the stylistic, you know, the aesthetic, um, understandings are different and the materialities are all different. And they, you know, all of those things, having to deal with all of that and having to reinterpret as a Southern person, you know, those things when I'm working in the Northeast or the Northwest or the Southwest or, you know, Canada or London. Um, and, you know, just understanding or having to grapple with all that and having to change and adapt how I think to the way the realities of life are in another place, to me, make me a much stronger architect, a much a much stronger thinker. Um, because it's kind of like cross training, you know, um, we've discovered this, you know, in, in working out, like we're, we're going to work, you know, we're going to do some pulling exercises and then we're going to do some pushing exercises and you're working the same muscle, but you're working in, in different directions. And, and the, the sort of the synthesis of those things, um, makes you stronger. And I think, um, it's, I've found that to be the case in, um, the experiences that I've had working in Latin America, working in, Canada, working in Britain, um, Ireland, really weird places like California, you know, (laughs) I'm doing two houses in Manhattan Beach right now, you know, where are you really you're from? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So listen, let's, I, I'm so glad you said that because I, I want to take that thought and I just kind of want to connect it. Um, because where I was going with that, I had seen the, the map of your projects and I was just looking, I was like, I was amazed that not that you were all over the place, but that your, your projects were so spread out, you know, um, being here in Tulsa, I thought it was so cool because I went and toured the um, price tower uh, a few weeks back Yeah, and it was kind of cool. And when you think about Frank Lloyd, Wright, You look at that, you look at his map and you can just kind of see dot, 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 but it's, it's not yours is vast. And for someone to travel that much distance for, for a work, for work, designers yes but architects i just don't see that that often unless they're they're you know ramsa you know or or something uh-huh. just massive but yeah. from an artisan standpoint what i think is really interesting is and the reason i kind of wanted to talk about alabama is because i think that there's such a special nature to what you do based on your upbringing hmm. there's a there's a purity to it 
you know, I being from Southern California, I'm a Californian. I will always be a Southern Californian. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in Oklahoma. I've lived in Washington State. I've lived in Florida, South Florida. I'm not a, I'll never be a Floridian or an Oklahoman, you know, at the end of the day. And it was the way I grew up. And that was my love for architecture and design growing up in Southern California, where there was just this kind of ephemeral idea, like people would come in and say, I'm going to make this and then they'll make a big brown derby. And then when people are done with the big, <laughs> when they're done with the big brown derby, the big brown derby goes away and there's something else in its place. Yeah. Right. And it's okay because California, LA in particular, is this experimental melting pot. It's where all of these amazing ideas had, had come to fruition because people had the freedom and the space to go in and try new things and something different. But those opportunities are not there anymore. Look, you're working on two projects in Manhattan Beach. I can tell you firsthand, the streets are narrow. The lots are small. Yeah. The city is strict. The neighbors are Super vocal. crazy strict. <laughs> I was on the um, I was on the library commission for the city of Manhattan Beach. So I worked with city government. Trust me. I know exactly. Yeah, I know when you can when you're when you guys can turn their radios on. And that's never when you I mean, can start. Work. Can I go to the bathroom? You know? Yeah, it's a thing. But what's interesting, too, is you you have this sort of base, this southern this southern ideal of sort of how you grew up. And maybe it's because you grew up over a longer period of time to learn who you are and what you wanted to be, where, you know, you could have gone to Auburn, War Eagle, and you could have then said, okay, I've, I've done this. Now I want to go work for somebody, worked for a year, then someone else for a year, then someone else for the year, then you hang your own shingle and now you're doing your own thing. But you took the time to kind of learn the craft, yeah. to learn the art. Um, that path seemed, how did that, how did that, starting the way you did and working in all the places that you do where the rules are different affect the manner in which you, you handle getting the job done at the end, end of the day. Um, I feel like you just asked me like five questions. <laughs> I, I do that. I'm sorry. I do that. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, it, I think like a lot of us and, you know, you just, um, you feel like you're just living a life and um and you're doing the best you can and um and you're working and you know a lot of it's just uh blocking and tackling and just x's and o's and and basic stuff um i definitely uh, didn't necessarily have a master plan for um you know when i would um start my own my own firm but uh i i definitely was fortunate that I got to work on a lot of different kinds of projects, even though they were all primarily, yeah, they, you know, when I was working for other people, they were all in the, in the state of Alabama, but, um, but I, I felt, I felt like at some point, um, I had enough of my, enough experience and enough of my own ideas about, uh, how I felt like a, an office ought to run, um, how you should treat employees, um, and, how you know architecture could be done um of course i had no i i still didn't know a lot more than than i did know and even the parts i thought i knew i think uh i, I found uh i found out i really didn't <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know shit really um and uh you know 
it's like I tell, I sometimes tell clients this and, and they kind of look at me funny, but, um, but it's the, the older ones get the joke, but it's like, um, you know, I've done it wrong every way you can do it wrong. Um, but I think the, the good part is, you know, as you make mistakes and you learn lessons, you, you try not to repeat those, you know, painful parts. And, and so you make a point to get better, you know, at, at that part. And then you create a process and you write it down on how you're going to do this, this, and this, that will prevent, you know, that kind of problem from happening again. And, um, I think that's, um, that's part, a big part of whatever success that, that we've had is, um, we we have a process that really works and we have the right people implementing that process um, to, you know, to pull it off. And um, I always hire people that are smarter than me, which is um, turns out it's not actually very difficult to find those those type of people. But, um, you know, when you when you hire people that are smarter than you are, it proves that you're smarter than they are. <laughs> That's what I always tell them anyway. Um, so it's a, I mean, this is a team sport, you know, it really, it really is. Um, so, um, I'm, I'm just thankful to, to be at this point in, in my career where we get to do some really cool stuff for some really wonderful people, um, all over the, all over the country. Well, and it's funny too, because you mentioned the, the five questions at once and, and I do that on occasion, you know, because at the same time that we're talking, I'm looking at some of your work and um, I'm very, I'm very frustrated by your website because um, we're doing a new one. If it makes you feel (laughs) (laughs) well, I'm frustrated because I love what I'm looking at and I always, I I just, I just want more. Um, That's a good problem, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, because there are certain projects that I'm looking at. One in particular kind of caught my eye. It's Alice, Alice Beach. Alice, yeah. A- Alice Beach? Mm-hmm. Like Alice in Wonderland. Okay. So it's just such an interesting structure. Um, there are so many different influences there. And by the way, I, I also love the photography. There's this picture looking down on the the pool the pool i don't know which one it is i've done about a dozen houses there so i don't know which one you're talking about it's it's almost got like a like a moroccan yeah influence i call it moorish it's like okay okay it is, it is moroccan though i mean i guess the more yeah um and it but there's this modern bit to it that yeah right yeah and so as I'm looking at this and a few others, um, like there's a there's a country farmhouse on there, you know, that I'm that I'm looking at as well. Mm. There is a there's a classic southern influence, and there's a mo- there's there's a uh, there are modern effects to it. There yeah. is there's I'm just a closet modernist. I was going to ask you about that, and because you see, here I go again asking like so many different questions, but because you've worked in so many different areas and you've been you've been producing at such a high level for so long with your clients do do you think that gives you a license to push them a little bit i think so yeah i mean look i'm i'm i feel still way more like an artist um 
than an architect. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, let's be honest, you know, I'm, I'm doing houses for people um, in terms of architecture and all the different aspects and types of architecture you could do. Um, it's not the heaviest lift, right? I mean, this isn't, we're not in skyscrapers, you know, I'm not designing, you know, hospitals. These are, you know, these are single family homes. So, um, you know, you know what though, you know what though, Jeff, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call you on that. I'm going to challenge you on that a little bit for one reason and one reason only. And I think because I'm not challenging you, challenging, I'm just saying, I, I think, I think that, um, since the pandemic, I can speak for myself personally and in talking to so many people, the idea of residential architecture has architecture and design has changed so much in the in the level of importance because i I feel like You're you right. don't you don't really know what you want until you experience what you don't want right. And then it helps you clarify the things that are so meaningful to you. And with, with the spaces that you create, and you know, a lot of these are, are just you know, generalities, but. No, I get, what you're kind of, I get what you're saying. I mean, basically, here's what I found to, to your point um, about since the pandemic, what's, what's happened um, is the pandemic forced everybody into their homes and suddenly people realized how, how much their homes um, didn't meet their real needs very well. And, and they were, they were suddenly forced almost like a, if you think about your house as a person, and that's how I look at all of the houses that, that we do, they all, all my houses have a personality of their own, just, just like a person does. Um, and all of a sudden you're forced into this tight relationship with this other entity. We'll call it the house, but this almost think of it as a person. And now you're having to take this five month long, six month long, eight month long trip attached to the hip to this person. You don't even like the fucker. You don't even like, you know, like this is miserable, <laughs> like, you know, and everybody is pissed, you know, and, and they start to realize, holy crap, like, why did I even buy this house? Why? Like, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. The kitchen doesn't work. You know, da, 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 da. it's like, I bought this house because it was in a neighborhood I liked maybe, or the price point was good. And I thought it was a pretty house. It was an, an impressive house, but it's not. But when you get past all those superficial things, the thing don't work, you know, for me. And so it, it really created a huge aha moment. I think nationally, um, for a lot of people. And I um, think the result of that is, um, for one thing, we were just the busiest we've ever been in our whole entire lives for, you know, two or three years. And then, you know, as that sort of wave sort of melted away, people are a lot more in touch with, you know, what works and what doesn't work for them. And um, I, I think that makes them better clients. I think it, and hopefully it helps them, you know, uh, eventually if they can get into a place that they really love and really does work for them. It helps them live better lives. And of course, that's, that's what we do is um, we try to help people um, live better lives, live the lives that they've always dreamed to live where the house is, you know, just 
in tune with their heartbeat, in tune with their breathing, in tune with their the way they want the light to come through in the morning or not come through in the morning. You know, the way they entertain, you know, with family or the way they cook or the way they never cook. Um, so, you know, that I, I think it's made it's made our clients a lot more um, uh, caring and um, discernible and um, intimate with um, with their homes, which is all in all not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. And I, and I think, too, that the conversations are happening more readily like we're having here. I was reminded when um, when I was touring the Price Tower up on the I think it's the 19th floor, which was Price's office. That's where his executive suite was. And it's the funniest thing. I'll, I'll send you a picture if you want to see it. But so you walk in and, and you know, the building kind of like goes like that and everything gets smaller as you get yeah. up towards the top of it. Yeah. And, and, you it know, tapers. It, yeah. And it Frank truncates. Wright, it really does. And Frank Lloyd Wright was all about making small stairways and hallways anyway. <laughs> so you, you get up to this executive suite and then you've got this major office where his office was. And then just outside of his office, you had his secretary's office. And I remember this will forever stay with me because it was uh, just I learned a lesson. Mm-hmm. You walk in and the way that Frank Lloyd Wright designed his secretary's workspace, she could look over to the right to see into Mr. Price's office. And then she would look straight ahead where her type typewriter was. And then over to her, sorry, over to her left, she's looking into, into Mr. Price, straight ahead's her typewriter. Over to the right was this glass wall of windows, probably about eight or 10 feet high, except where there was a wood partition built into it, just overhead high level so that she couldn't look out the window when she was supposed to be working. <laughs> also no control. Other, no other reason except that she could not look out the window while she was working. And it made me think about things. It's like, you know, that I, my I had a previous life as a, you know, in working in broadcast and and when you do radio sales and marketing in radio stations, you work you spend a lot of time in a cubicle. Those were not meant for people. Those were not built for people. Those <laughs> were not and you you're treating people like farm animals basically you're you're they have their own little pen you know what i mean it's a cell <laughs> it's a it is a cell but if you look at many homes prior to the pandemic that's kind of how uh, you know home offices or dens they didn't really have home offices they had rooms that were something else and then converted i feel like the pandemic gave license to creatives such as yourself to say hey you know what now you can finally listen to me because I'm telling you, you want it to work. Let's think differently about this. It, it feels like a renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I was really into your question three questions ago when you were asking <laughs> about, you know, pushing, you know, the, to, so to speak, um, the clients. And um, because I really considered myself more of an artist, you know, in that way um, than, than an architect. You know what I mean? Um yeah, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm going to design a house. We're going to design a house together, but um, I don't. I, I think there's there's an intuition and um, in in some ways an emotional 
connection that I want for the client to enjoy with that house. And I don't, I just don't think you can get there in a really linear, in a totally linear uh, mentality, right? There's got to be this creative, more artistic, um, you know, uh, experience um, that, that, that takes place, um, especially with, with me, um, and, and, and the client, but I tell them all, I, I don't, I don't try to trick them into it. I tell them what I'm doing, you know, up front. And when we go, you know, I, the way I design, I, we set up a time and I go and meet with them on the property. Usually, uh, my wife, Lindsay and I will go and we'll meet with them. You know, we'll get in, you know, that evening and we'll just go, we won't even go to the site. We'll just go have dinner and drink a bottle of wine and, and get to know each other more. Um, and then we'll go to the site in the morning and then I'm like, okay, you said, you know, these are all the things to your program. These are all the things that you want. Look at this piece of property. Here's the sun. Here's the topo. There's the view. Um, you know, here, we, here we go. And I just lay it all out right there with them over a, a day and a half. And, um, so there's no, you know, I don't like go away into some dark room for three weeks and come back with this big presentation and, Hope they like it. Do you um do you get involved in the interiors as well? Yeah. Yeah, I can design a, a house with one eyeball tied behind my back, but the interiors is where the rubber meets the road. I spend five times longer designing the interiors of our projects than I do on the architecture. So short, short answer, yeah. Do you have a preference as to which you like better? No, no, I, I love all of it because it's all the same thing to me. You know, um, the the inside is just a a more intimate picture and a more emotional um, experience that that began uh, when you crested the hill and saw the roof line. It's the same story. I'm I'm going to keep telling you the same story, but it's just a always more um, intimate. Um, story. I mean, it's just like um, having a relationship, a romantic relationship with, with anyone, you know, you, you meet them, you look at them, there's a, there's some kind of physical attraction you get to, but then you get to know them more and more and more. And it's, it's like that with the house, like, you know, ultimately, you know, there's this um, really intimate um, relationship that you, that you have, but there's, if you zoom out from that, there was all those moments that led up to that. Um, and it's the same way to me from the time you, you lay eyes on the house to the time you're, you know, enjoying a cocktail or cooking in the kitchen, but, um, it's, it's the same thing. It's all the same. Thing. I can, I can tell that you love the work. Is there anything in particular, in particular that you would like to do next that you haven't had a chance to do? Um, I, that's a great question. Um, I'm, I'm starting to do something I've always wanted to do. I'm teaching. So I'm teaching, um, here in Birmingham at Samford university, um, architecture and interior design. Um, and I have really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed the, just the purity of, you know, young people and not having to deal with budgets or, you know, clients or codes or any of that that kind of stuff and just really thinking about form and shape and space and 
you know, all those wonderful things that that's been, that's been really, um, really, really fun for me. I think I'll, I'll hopefully, um, as I get a little bit older, I don't really plan to retire ever, but, um, I'd like to get, uh, more back into, uh, what we touched on earlier, you know, the painting and the, the art part that really kind of got me into this <laughs> crazy stuff to, to begin with. But, um, no, I mean, I, I'm, I, I love, I love the work that we're getting to do. And it's, um, I, I say it all the time. It's, it's, I still complain, but, um, it's, it's mostly good to be Jeff Dungan. <laughs> you know what? And that is, that that's a mic drop right there. We are going to, that's a perfect place to wrap Jeff. I cannot thank you enough for doing this. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you, Josh. It was fun. I know we didn't know where this was going, but that almost made it more interesting, didn't it? Well, it's funny. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share too much here while we're still recording. Just if you're listening, just know this. Um, we're doing a series called Drinking About Design, and uh J- Jeff's gonna be on this and it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna have a lot of fun. This is gonna be great. <laughs> Jeff, thanks for doing hey, look, this. Look, I finished my bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery-style space with a thoughtful display of products, purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available, stop by to find your inspiration, Collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at designhardware.com or in the real world, 6053 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. Thank you, Jeff. What a great chat. I, I do hope you can hear why I love doing this so much, and this is why it is so rewarding for me to share these stories with you. Thank you to my partners and sponsors, Thermosol and Design Hardware, for your continued and unwavering support of the show and the design community. For more stories like these from the design community, please make sure you are subscribing to the podcast so you receive new episodes automatically when they're published. That way, you never miss an episode. Uh, Convo by Design is available everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We're also on Instagram, and hopefully you're following along, Convo by Design with an X. And uh, keep the emails coming, Convo by Design at Outlook.com with show suggestions and guest ideas. I love them, uh, and I appreciate them, and I love hearing from you. Thanks for listening. Until next week, be well, and take today first. Mm-hmm.